Hello, my name is Ben, and this is the Two Vape Podcast. We've got a very special clip episode. This is all never before heard material from our previous shows. We have clips where they were either they either didn't uh, quite fit into the topic word or just cut for time. We're going to start our first two clips by talking about autonomous sensory meridian response sometimes autosensory meridian response, which is a tingling sensation that is generated from sounds called ASMR, which is something I don't quite understand. And then we also talk about mukbang, which I'm introduced to on the show, is a portmanteau of, of the Korean words for eating and broadcast. Also something that I don't quite understand but you know what? Different strokes for different folks. So this is Evan and Rachel trying to explain ASMR and other things about mukbangs to me. Da, da, da. You could do ASMR on this stuff. I know. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's crazy. just the first thing I thought about. Yeah. Is it okay? So. You're you're of a younger generation. Yeah. Can you explain to me what the whole thing with ASMR that what 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 is what's the thing? What is it? Is it just the sounds? Is it why is it I mean I don't quite understand the popularity. I guess I understand why it would like there's certain sounds that make you kind of like your your the hair stand up on your arms right. or whatever. But is it a function its popularity is it because of streaming and capabilities of it's it's a lot easier to get it out to a lot of people these days whereas before it was like kind of less accessible to do that kind of thing well i personally i think it's from the platform that they did it on uh-huh. so like youtube right 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 it's they also do it on twitch too i didn't know that yeah. i don't have twitch <laughs> you've got you've got some asmr channels that's <laughs> like you know, it's not for video games only. It's it's for all sorts of other interesting things. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, so I know that it started to become popular back in like 2016. Okay. 2016. Right. There was like a, the idea of ASMR came out and people enjoyed the way that it's like the way it made them feel, I guess. Right. Right. So people started to get like that more that they have the craziest things out there. Let's just go on that real fast. Right. <laughs> they have stuff where you it's kind of like a point of view thing. So it's like getting your hair cut or getting a, like a head massage and they kind of simulate that like the physical, sounds, the sounds and like the physical attention that you would be getting if you were doing that normally. So I guess it, it, it could be. For people who have that highly sensitive yeah. type of, what's the best word for it? Sensitive, I don't know. I don't know. It'll come back to me, I promise. Okay. But they have that highly sensitive kind of vibe to them, and they like that feeling of right. being touched without being touched, I guess. Huh. That's the best way to put it. But what also got really popular, too, on the YouTube times was mukbangs. Do you okay. know what that is? Okay, I have no idea what that oh is. My God. So a mukbang is where you sit down and you order so much food and you just you just eat it in front of a camera. Why do they call it a mukbang? I have no idea. I think it originated in it's the eastern side. I don't want to generalize okay. it. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, that's, that's the thing, too. It's very hard 
<clears throat> with with um, foreign countries and other, you know, they've got other perspectives. They grew up a different way than we did, but but it's still from our from our eyes. It's 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 different. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. Mukbang. Huh? Yeah. Well. Let's dispense with the mukbangery. <laughs> and all right. So we'll do the pause and then we'll start into it. Let me wet my whistle really quick. <sighs> <laughs> don't ever do that again. Why? You don't like that? Are you okay? So this ASMR stuff—I <laughs> hate it. You hate it. I okay, hate it. is there a reason why you hate it? I don't like. I don't want somebody to talk to my ear that close. Yeah. When they're like. Oh yeah. So you don't want them to like. Okay. I don't like that. All I don't right. like that. Okay. But other things like I've seen ones where they like chop through soap. Uh huh. And that's so. Fine. Other sounds are fine. Yeah. Other sounds are fine. Okay. So like the typewriter sound or something that's soothing as opposed to just... Typewriter is not soothing to me, but I get it. Well, right. Or, or a train. Yeah. I Well, okay. So there is something. So I understand why ASMR is so, is like cool. But for me, it's not the sounds, but it's listening to somebody give me directions. I So I've seen some... Um, videos where it's like cooking videos like right. cooking shows right and it's just like the sound of like the spoon like clanking against the bowl uh-huh. that i like okay when it's gentle right right and so i watch like real soothing like soft core cooking shows okay <laughs> and that's cool all right you're not watching any of those hardcore pornographic <laughs> cooking shows that they yeah. have on or where they're just like right right i can't even hear just it. <laughs> you just, get it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand the ASMR thing in general, but people like it. And then this one guest told me about um, this thing called mukbanging. Yeah, where they just eat on camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they have uh, a, and one of the uh, bodybuilders that I that I follow. She was on one of these mukbang dating show things that they have on Instagram, uh-huh. where you know it. It just happened like she's she's in her forties and this young kid who's in his twenties is going out on a mukbang date <laughs> for her and he's like, you know, with her and he is like totally enamored with, with her and she's just like, He is way too young young <laughs> for me. But it was just kinda like, you know, Yeah, you know, I just I the only thing is just you're just too young. I'm sorry, you know. Yeah. But she also beat him in arm wrestling. Not that that matters <laughs> anything. Her that arms are so much deal. bigger. Well, maybe for the dude, right? Maybe the dude has a problem with it. I don't, yeah, you know. that's his problem. That is his problem. I totally agree. For our third clip, it was Marilee's very first episode that we did on agriculture. It was during a part of a warm-up. We just have casual conversation leading into the show, and that kind of gets the gears turning on being comfortable and so on and so forth. So in this clip, we talk about the show El Gran Juego de la Oca, The Great Game of the Goose, which was a TV game show produced in Madrid, Spain from 1993 to 1995 and was reintroduced on television in 1998 as a new version of that show. 
But it was a weekly show airing in several hour blocks created by television producer Jocelyn Hatab. I would say it was a precursor to a lot of those shows like Fear Factor and things like that because it's got a lot of really extreme stunts. Let's enter the first clip with that little that little tidbit of knowledge. Marilee and I warming up, talking about various subjects, and then we move on to a mini clip from the episode where we kind of do a callback. You'll understand when you hear the clip. So enjoy. All right. So, um, okay. So you know how I start every show. Um, you've listened to the show, I think. Yeah, a few times. As far as, at as, least. far as as far as I know, you've listened to the show. <laughs> you may be just lying. I am just lying, actually. I didn't hear what my was ca- Sammy's my, word. My but... cats have listened to your show, <laughs> but oh, oh, that, that's it. The tenth. What is? What was it? Tentle. Huh? Del- dildo or whatever she was oh oh <laughs> for sammy's oh <laughs> yeah 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 um um yeah it was uh teledildonics <laughs> it's seriously i sent her an article about no, how no yeah no no my my buddy um uh, also my buddy viola she she said i'm so glad you brought up teledildonics because i was gonna say and i was like okay all right that's you know mm-hmm. it, it, yeah she was like teledildonics and that's that's yeah there's <laughs> people upset. who are yeah i mean well, anyway, the article that Viola sent me was one that uh, was was saying that um, um, that hackers, that furries, or, or hackers that are furries, have been hacking into the the basically the <laughs> telling <laughs> yes to, but it's like is that the next? I mean, I don't know. This is this is a completely different topic. Yeah. But it's like, is that the next iteration of like, for sex robots and stuff? Is that kind of like, is that going to be it? Or are people going to replace that with, you know, mm-hmm. like, I didn't some even sort think of, about it like that. But yeah. But I mean, funny. you know, yeah, it's just basically vibrators, <laughs> teledildonics. I just, I thought it was just a, a buzzword, but apparently it's a thing. It's, wow. a, it's definitely a thing. And it's like people who have, these devices you can control with your phone <laughs> and stuff. You oh know? my gosh! Yeah, a phone-controlled dildo. Oh my gosh! I've heard of the pocket. Not okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're in the pocket a, pussy, you, not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's different. <laughs> the flashlight. <laughs> I meant more of the. What is it? The Penny vibrator thing that I, I guess is a sex thing. I don't know, but I've seen it in like TV where you can control it from uh, like your phone, literally. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's that's yeah. Hilarious. Yep. That's cool, uh, cool it's stuff. Toy, toys. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's also I saw that uh, also the one that I sent her initially was an article I read about the Consumer Electronics Show and how they had 
a, a basically a booth, a company that was there that was doing those kind of like selling the phone controlled uh-huh. s- devices. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. The, the, the phone controlled dildonics. <laughs> dildonics. The tele, like they thought literally, there's like, okay, well, we're calling it tele dildonics. But then someone comes along and is like, we can use a phone to control it. It's totally like now it's like literally teledildonics where it was before it was just like little vibrations. So it was just vibrators. That's all it was. All around. Yeah. Teledildonics. Teledildonics. Yep. Like Telemundo except with dildos. God damn it. <laughs> that would be a fucking show to watch. Telemundo. Sure. Telemundo. Telemundo. I used to watch this um, this show on Telemundo, and this is going way off topic. We're just uh, we'll start the show soon. <clears throat> but anyway, and I am recording. It's just because this is just like you know, it's it's usually like starting out with a little lead in is generally good to get okay. the conversational juices flowing. Um, <clears throat> I used to watch this show that was on Telemundo that was called, I think it was called El Gran Juego de la Oca. Hmm. What does that sound like? El, da, el gran juego de la qué? Um, de la... De la something. I don't know. It, it was like the Grand mm. Goose something. It was like a board game. <clears throat> but oh, it was okay. like a board game with contestants. So they would press a button and the dice would roll. And mm-hmm. then they would land on certain things that they would have to like physical challenges. Yeah. That they would have to do. And they would they would be like ridiculous physical challenges. Like... And this is like before the time of of before the time of things like Wipeout and those kind of shows, oh, okay. mm-hmm. you know. Um, and there was like one where someone was suspended by a wire on a ceiling and was spinning around and had to throw these flaming things at a target. Oh my god! There was like an underwater sort of thing where they had to navigate things underwater. It was like ridiculous, crazy stunts. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, sounds, very strange. Yeah, that sounds. Have you seen the? I mean, I I know that you talked to talked about it. Um, the freaking golf game. The, uh, the golf game. The golf 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 game. <laughs> golf game. The it's on it's on TV all the time. I can't remember what it's oh, called. Oh oh um, oh! Holy moly! Holy moly! Yeah yeah, the oh mini golf game. Yeah yeah, God. the mini golf game. Yes. Yeah, it's funny. That's <clears throat> so hilarious. Yeah, it's oh pretty. It's gosh. it's yeah. It's just ridiculous. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> I kind of want to be on that show, and I kind of don't. Oh my gosh! But, yeah, that that would suck. Getting literally like hit by the, these mm, big ass obstacle yeah, courses. Yeah, but I mean, like people sign up for that. They sign waivers. I mean, they're yeah. gonna you know. That's that's what they're there for. They're there for their you know their fifteen minutes of fame or what whatever. It's crazy. Which is which I think now that fifteen minutes of fame thing is no longer an issue because everyone can have that with all sorts of social media stuff and TikTok and and whatever. It it baffles my mind that Mm -hmm. that Rachel was able to you know make basically create her business based on a tiktok video i mean oh, that's cool okay. and mm-hmm. it's also kind of like wow really weird yeah no it's crazy yeah. how um just even i mean i got a little bit influenced by uh being a better like 
plant mom i guess uh-huh. by because because of the like tiktok videos yeah. some people are like oh you can do this and then like they show you what to do with the right, soil or right. whatever and it just and, and the mm-hmm. algorithm picks up what you're watching yeah, more and more it's and, weird. Yeah. i know i don't like that for sure about it it's well but i mean that's that's watching that's, me yeah <laughs> there but that's part of what makes it scary and not scary at the same yeah. time it's, it's it's tailoring itself to you but it's like every every algorithm out there has that mm-hmm. to some extent no, um sure. it's I've, pretty it's pretty wild how you like notice that too it's crazy yeah oh yeah yeah or or something where you don't really know okay so it's like you're looking up something on one of your devices right mm-hmm. independent of whatever device you're not thinking that it's like oh okay so it's gonna pick up something but somehow the algorithm figures out i like I, I've I've searched for something on my phone, and it must be because all my Apple devices are connected. But then it's like I search for something on my phone, and then I go to my thing and try and do the same search, and it pops up. Or mm-hmm. there's like content that something that's similar to it. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, it's crazy. A lot of like, the games I look up, it's like I, I'm probably going to be getting farming simulator games for the next week <laughs> and a half. Um, Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> no need to apologize. It's actually it's actually pretty cool. So yeah, no, it is honestly. Um, I always thought of it where, where, where the where the kids got naughty. I mean, I don't know. Hey, you never, you know, you never know. And these days, who knows if they're using the teledildonics? <laughs> I mean, they probably will. They probably will. They with probably the corn will. Now or something. Yeah. <laughs> Tie they, it all together. Somehow. I guess they don't. They don't. Oh, with the corn. <laughs> <laughs> where do I put the corn again? Uh, oh no. They, they, they they call Sorry, that they, they call that, they call that the manly the the man <laughs> the manly miles. miles that's the, that's the name of the the move the positions um but anyway we digress i digress sorry i drug into that anyway so it was um so the mora plots yeah that that's like one of the main things i remember from being on campus was the experimental cornfield and how it was kind of an interesting idea for our fourth clip we uh, had to cut this for time from the episode I did with Cheyenne on context. Cheyenne is explaining to me the sport of jugger, which is sort of a LARPing kind of sport. It kind of transformed into a real sport in Germany and Australia, but it is actually based on a 1989 movie called The Salute of the Jugger. Uh, or as it was released in the U.S., The Blood of Heroes. I watched the movie just uh, last night. It is horrible. (laughs) Not a good movie. Rutger Hauer plays the main character lead, and he by far is the best actor in the movie. Sort of a post-apocalyptic future, and these roving bands of basically marauders going from town to town, they are trying to get food and notoriety and some of the younger folks on the team, they want to be professional, be in the league with the higher ups. And they play with a dog skull, which I don't get. They never explain the dog skull. Another weird thing in the movie, whenever they win these games in the towns, they always have these strange musical periods where they're in the village you know hanging out with the with the village folks the first one is like zydeco 
I don't think a an accordion would survive the apocalypse, but but then for the second town, there was some sort of weird tuba based marching band sounding it was just very weird kind of music from town to town. I think it's almost one of those movies you kind of have to see it just to see how bad it is. But anyway, so this is Cheyenne and I talking about the pseudo-LARPing sport of Jugger. Enjoy the clip. You want to go LARP? I do. You know, I will really quick talk about Jugger. I wanted to talk oh, about yeah, Jugger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jugger is not exactly LARPing, although I guess it still could be considered LARPing. It's essentially a LARPing sport. Okay. So you're not just like in battle, but it's an actual like sport with rules that you can play while you're dressing up in, um, in like medieval wear. Oh, okay. And the point of Jugger, the ball, instead of having a ball, you have a, like a skull. I mean, not a real skull, obviously, but. How how sure are you? (laughs) At least I hope that most people playing Jugger are using fake skulls. Okay. You know, we'll say like 90%. All right. Um, I'd like to say maybe 99. <laughs> but anyway. But the the goal of Jugger is that the, the basically the, it's called the quick or in um, soccer, it's like the, oh, I don't even know, the person who handles the ball. But the quick is a... The forward. The forward. Thank you. There we well, go. Well, that's the position, but yeah. I'm not very good with sports terminology, but the quick... Um, does not carry weapons and all they can do is handle the the ball or the skull and then you have a a chain um one per team and they're actually like a person with a very long chain that they can use to like knock other players out um or knock the skull out um then you have three defensive players besides that on each team and they can carry like an array of weapons and they can only handle the skull with their weapons. Okay. So the goal is to get the skull into the opposite team um, or into your own team. I'm not 100% to, on that. The, it's like a goal, right? It's like a goal, exactly. So where is this played? Um, It's played all over. I think it started out in Germany or Australia. Okay. Um, but it is played in the United States. I and, read about it Um. Oh. Because there's events for it at my school, but so how is it played? Is it played on an actual field? Is it a um, uh, played on a computer? Is it played in a virtual environment? It's played in a physical environment for sure. Probably a park or a field would work. Okay, I, I don't think that they have virtual jugger. So this has to do with more with you're you're playing the role of. It has to do with larping these things. Yeah, it's sort of a sport because. Um, the defensive characters carry weapons like short swords. Um, I think they the one's called like a Q-tip. It's got like a ball on each end. Okay. Um, and they have like shields. So that is kind of the role play aspect of it. Okay. So, but do you have to play the, the, the role of a character in that? Or is oh, it just no. part, of, part of it is just dressing up? Part of it is just dressing up. That's why I said it's not really LARPing, but kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I could see where it would be. It could be adapted to, you know, something like that. That Evermore uh, Park, right? Which, by the way, sued uh, Taylor Swift for her album called Evermore. Oh, <laughs> and then also 
she countersued them with saying that they were playing Love Story, You Belong With Me, and Bad Blood in their park without having licensing. Is this a real thing or are you fucking with me right now? No, this is a real thing. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and uh, it was in March of this year, apparently. Wow. Yeah. And uh, they both dropped the suit. So Wow. There That's... you go. That sounds like it was a great constructive use of time. And I'm guessing a few lawyers are richer for it. Yeah. But that's a that's a, a subject for another time, I think. In this clip, it was cut for time. We had a lot of extra footage for our language show where we talked to Tenny. To me, it was such an interesting conversation about language and how language is developed and so on and so forth. And so this is a little bit of a snippet of us kind of talking about how languages are created for movies. Just a little extra on that, that we just didn't have the time to put it in there. Enjoy the clip. Don't write any papers on it yet because no, no. you don't know, but no. it, it is it is pretty interesting. But, you know, like I said, my understanding of when I would hear the sounds sounded like it did have some sort of a structure, right, mm -hmm. of some sort. Mm -hmm. But then when I went back and did the research and found out that it started out as nonsense and mm -hmm. they kind of created those things, it just didn't it didn't make sense to me either. But mm -hmm. I couldn't ar articulate it the way that you articulate it as mm -hmm. someone who studies language. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, you know, I... I I wasn't I was I wasn't answering your questions because I didn't know how to answer them. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is just like pondering, right? Yeah, and it's, do other video games have nonsensical language like this or is it just one yes. of a kind? No, it's not one of a kind. There are other other games and, and maybe we can talk about that later, but uh, this is one of a number of games. It's just that this one is probably one of the more popular ones. Uh -huh. Usually the, the games that have nonsense, it's just, it sounds like noises, like and have no sentence structure or anything like that. It's just nonsense noises. But at least this is trying to sound like you're saying a sentence. Mm -hmm. And Well, they're trying to sing it. Right, yeah. right, exactly. And, and that's yeah. the thing. It's like they, they try and who gave those who gave Katy Perry the lyrics for her song to uh -huh. sing, right? Yeah. It's like someone had to give her those, you know, the translation. Someone mm -hmm. had to translate it somehow. And mm -hmm. was it actually translated or did they just make up mm -hmm. <laughs> the things in there? Yeah. I mean, who knows? And even making up is just, it's such a difficult task, right? Imagine like if you have to create an alien, right? Okay. Usually the aliens that we see are somehow based on a human form. Right. Right? Because right. that's our parameter. Right. So you're talking about someone like for a movie, if you're coming up with a concept with a monster, for an, like yeah. create a monster, right? And they're right. going to somehow be somewhat they're gonna to try to deviate from a human form, but your prototype is the human form. Right. 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 That's your origin. That's what you're familiar with. Exactly. So right. who are these people inventing those words? Right. That's what I'm curious about. And how did it go about it? And how so. much do they make? Because you should be working for Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to quit my job here and then go. Go, go make video make games. Up. Yeah. Make I, up the languages for the video games. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I you know, that's 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 an interesting question mm -hmm. as far as like, but but I mean, it's it's a scope of the project, right? How mm -hmm. much it, it's a, if when it was created, the scope of the project wasn't 
it, it was would, limited right, right to that one yeah it was trying to create more of a feeling and mm -hmm. you're trying to convey a feeling as opposed to you're trying to convey what these things mean mm -hmm. you know in in a language mm -hmm. and then trying to create that based off of that that's the thing it's, it's like really hard yeah it it seems like almost like it's impossible and maybe it maybe it is maybe they're just mm -hmm. making it all up maybe mm -hmm. i mean you know maybe there is no consistency in mm -hmm. some of the words or maybe what we see as consistency we're making that up for ourselves because we need our brain needs, needs the pattern to, exactly we otherwise need you, to. you can't learn it right, right right and people want i mean there's and something like the sims there's uh when you know the gameplay loop is you're in it for the experience like oh hey my sim did this or hey my mm -hmm. sim did that um but you know is language a i mean for some people language would be an important part of that mm -hmm. and some people it wouldn't be mm -hmm. right and some people would just be distracting i don't mm -hmm. know all i know is i'm going to close on this story which is This clip was cut from our show on the word tool. Arden and I had a very long conversation. This just didn't quite fit the focus of the word, and we had a lot of excess footage. It was unfortunate they had to cut this for time. It's a really interesting conversation that goes a lot of interesting places. We talk about uh, the movie The Thing, which was a remake of a 1951 film a film that was based on a 1938 John W. Campbell Jr. novel called Who Goes There? A very alien-centric horror movie about this organism that was a parasitic organism that assimilates and imitates real life. Very spooky. All done practically in the 1980s. Kurt Russell was the star of that movie. And then in 2011, they made a version of the thing that was basically a prequel to the 1982 film. Both films take place in Norwegian Antarctic research type of facilities. The main character of this movie is a scientist played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. We talk about some problems that this movie had as it relates to the effects. It goes to CGI and other sort of interesting things about breaking the lens of nostalgia and games. So enjoy the clip. Tool videos. So Indeed. I wanted to, the, the sober video when it came out was pretty groundbreaking um, because it was a unique stop motion animation kind of style. Mm -hmm. And stop motion animation um, is kind of an interesting sort of thing. Do you remember, did you ever watch the uh, Parks and Recreation show? Uh, sadly, no. no? My, okay. my only uh, like delvings into stop animation is uh, stuff that uh, Lakia has oh, done, okay. like Coraline, yeah. Paranorman. Okay. Um, those, those movies are very near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Oh, and then also, yeah, um, I was going to mention as far as other movies, like, you know, you had uh, your classic, uh, um, what was it, um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, was that. grew and, up and watching that. James and the Giant Peach, and, mm -hmm. and there were a bunch of other stop motion kind of things that you didn't realize were stop motion. Yeah. Um, 
And also claymation is kind of an offshoot of that. I mean, stop motion techniques are part of that whole process. Mm -hmm. Um, The only reason I brought up Parks and Recreation was there was a funny sort of thing where one of the characters was fired and uh, he got really excited about this project he was doing, which was a, a stop motion animation film. And it was it was basically just this he had spent weeks and weeks and weeks on it and he's like showing his buddy and it's just like five like three seconds oh no of the thing. and that was the whole joke was like but i thought it was i thought i was really you know it's just mm, kind of like oh it's just got to be a really kind of tedious sort of process yeah for in terms of like effort put into like actual viable product oh yeah put out yeah it's like there's a huge difference because it takes so long to actually get the, that frame by frame yeah stills and then you got to edit them together it's right oh arduous yeah and that's that's the thing too an interesting thing about stop motion animation um kind of goes back to its origins which were silent movies but the problem with silent movies is there's uh, estimated like 90 80 to 90 percent of silent movies were completely lost yeah and that was for a number of reasons because the film industry was so young at that point in time um you had people who were very guarded when it came to their property and their ideas about filming and filming techniques and things like that so a lot of that was people were protecting their own um I guess, intellectual property. Yeah. Um, But then also there were certain techniques that they utilized in these silent films, which was basically uh, they called um, the stop trick where they would stop the filming and then replace something with, you know, something that was obviously a, a fake, like someone getting hanged or whatever. They would, they would stop the film and then replace that with a dummy and then it would continue the filming and then they could, you know, do whatever they needed to. Absolutely. So that's kind of one of the origins, but it's really tricky to say when stop motion animation started, but they think it's like sometime in the early 1900s because of that. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting that it's still a mystery. Yeah. It's well, I mean, you know, the exact date, right? You you can't point to an actual film and say that's the very first stop motion. film. There are examples of films that were made in the silent, um, silent days that you can say, Oh yeah, this utilized stop motion. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, there's also, uh, I talked about Phil Tippett, on the previous episode. Um, and I don't know if you know who Phil Tippett is. Phil Tippett, not. No. He's he's a guy who worked for uh, Industrial Light and Magic for a while. Ooh, nice. And started his own company. Um, but he is basically the... Yeah, people call him revolutionary for uh, his work. Um, he worked at a company called Cascade Pictures. And he and John Berg were hired to do... Uh, stop motion animation for Star Wars, the original Star Wars film. Oh, very nice. And so then they basically, from that point forward, they kind of made a name for themselves. Um, they also were hired to do stop motion animation for this really silly movie called Piranha, oh. where they had to do the fish. But they did the stop motion animation for the fish uh, mm. movements and things. There you go. But, um, and then... Let's see. They also did Empire Strikes Back and um, in 1978. And that's when they developed 
what they call go motion. It's not stop motion. They call it go motion because the problem with stop motion is it's so clear yeah. that there is no um, that there is no movement that shows blur like the movement blur. Yeah, there's no movement blur because it's just frame by frame, and, and that's not a problem um, until you try and you know combine it with something yeah that, into a fluid motion yeah it just doesn't or work. combine it with actual footage right yeah so what they ended up doing was they they created phil tippett and um and john berg created this technique which was go motion that actually added the um added the motion blur so it looked a lot more realistic nice. so a lot of those scenes that you see in there um, one one thing that the stop motion thing that I remember, I remember a lot of the stuff with um, they did. I saw some things with the speeders in in um, Return of the Jedi um, that were some of them were done with stop motion, and they had a lot of interesting techniques that they used in the redwood forest to kind of yeah. get that idea that they were going back and forth. But one of the things that they used for some of the sequences were were that and then also they used you know this phil tippett guy was kind of a kind of a pioneer well i don't want to say pioneer because it was the 70s but yeah. he's he did like all of his work was like stop motion stuff um until until um let's see oh he also did work in robocop he also nice. did the ed 209 stuff oh very cool yeah so he's uh he's, he's got quite the roster he of, does uh, have experience yes um, and, but 1991 is when the stop motion days seemed to end. Oh, sad. And that was, and that was, well, I mean, it was because the stop motion days seemed to end quote in, in quotation marks, because mm. you know, we, we mentioned some, some movies that used stop motion animation from yeah. that point forward. But as far as sci-fi, he was hired on to do the effects for Jurassic Park. Oh, so he was going to do stop motion dinosaurs, mm-hmm. and um, what ended up happening was um, Dennis Murin and his and the the CGI folks came up with these very realistic looking CGI models that Steven Spielberg saw those mm-hmm. and was like, "Oh, we're going to use those." That's the one. That's the ticket, right? So they stopped with the practical. They they had built a you know a, a T Rex and it was all foam and things like that, and it got mm. too heavy and stuff. So yeah. they they had to they used a hybrid approach in Jurassic Park um, with some of the things in stop motion animation, and when he heard that Steven Spielberg, this is uh, Phil Tippett, um, when he was told that Jurassic Park dinosaurs were going to be computer generated, he said, and I quote, uh, I've just become extinct. And Steven Spielberg says that a lot too Mm. in in that whole, you know, like when he's interviewed about Jurassic Park. But one of the cool things was being a stop-motion animation expert – you learn about the actual movement of animals. Yeah. Right? Because you have to make them look realistic. Absolutely. And that is one piece that was missing from the ILM team was they they got the graphics of the dinosaurs down, but they couldn't get the movement. So mm-hmm. he basically kind of coached them on on how to, you know, 
get accurate movements of these animals to make him look more realistic. So it wasn't like he was out of a job. Yeah, and they still um, had him there. Yeah, and he still does does things with movies and directing and things like that. But that's kind of the arc of nerdy, yeah. <laughs> nerdy movies and and uh, stop motion animation. Everyone, uh, Phil Tippett was the was the guy who did all the Star Wars and Indiana Jones and a lot of the stuff there too. Ooh, so he's been around. He's been around. Uh, yeah, and definitely like I kind of uh, agree with Phil Tippett on uh, you know not totally loving the idea of more CGI in movies. Okay, that is perfect because yeah. that's what I was going to I was going to ask you that. Um as far as using using CGI as a tool yeah. versus using something as, you know, like when is it when is it a tool and when is it a gimmick? Absolutely. Yeah. And for me, I feel like it really became more of a gimmick in its infancy when it right. first became a thing and people were like, "Oh, we can just uh CGI a spaceship and right. that's that hands hands washed it's done right and part of it you know I get that you you have time constraints and budgets and right. CGI would definitely like make those more of a breeze but I feel like there's still this this soul to physical uh, props yeah practical effects practical effects yeah. uh, my favorite thing to reference is John Carpenter's The Thing uh-huh. that is a master class of prop use right um, you're talking about the original one because talk- the one that came out that was the remake yeah had a lot of criticism around it because they wanted to put these things in there with like the guy's face and yeah. not make the not make the original you're talking about the original one. Yeah, the and then, OG. Yeah. And then the prequel was one where they screwed it all up because yeah. the execs said, we're going to use... We're going to use CGI. Yeah. Screw all your props, toss them in a bin, who the fuck cares? Right. We'll right. just CGI everything, which yeah. really blew. I still think it's a fun movie to watch, and yeah. especially uh, they did stay very true to... Uh, the set design of the Norwegian camp right. and where all the people ended up. Yeah. And so it like has this very nice uh, uh, sort of a cohesion. Right. Uh, right. That's Isn't that the, the, the dog is yeah, kind the of dog. the transitionary mm-hmm. sort of thing. The that, very last shot yeah, is them that shooting kind of, at the dog. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that's and, and that's that's John Carpenter, right? For both of those, or uh, John Carpenter did the first one. First one, not the second. I, yeah, I don't know who did the second. Who did the second? Were the the people who did the second were pissed off that they wouldn't be able to use their practical yeah. effects because I think they had them. They did. They uh, they had them already. They had a uh, this, an alien captain for the ship yeah. that they were going to use. Yeah, and it, we just will never see it. Yeah. And then also some of the um, some of the other like the, the 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 main fight towards the end I hear the the with the guy's face yeah. that was just so ridiculously horrible it was because I felt like it defeated the point of the thing itself because oh, look now you've slapped something familiar onto a completely unfamiliar unknown yeah thus making it more like identifiable oh it's just a big animal monster right with a person face spooky. yeah it's horrible i, I think just a, a faceless mess of tentacles and goop is probably a much scarier monster right exactly which is kind of what they did with the very first one mm-hmm. um but yeah I, that's a that's a good that's a good uh that's a good uh thing to bring up um i didn't even think about the thing but that's like 
that's a, a perfect example of at least in the second one of yeah. how um how computer effects ruined something absolutely but then also if you think of stop motion animation i think Mm -hmm. you know part of the problem with a lot of those things is they think it uh the studios execs think it's easy to get something that will blend seamlessly yeah right so and that's the problem is Mm -hmm. a lot of these things it's as good as as much time as you put into it and you have if you have a deadline um there's a point at which you get what you get absolutely so, um, but I mean, I think also stop motion animation and claymation were used similarly where they would, when you, when you put them in with like, you know, like King Kong, right? Yeah. When you put, put, <laughs> when you put real human beings and compare it to that, it looks ridiculous. Oh yeah. It, it does not work. Right. Um, another one that I remember from my childhood that, and I kind of have a weird story about this is, um, uh, Clash of the Titans. I now, the, yeah. the original Clash of the Titans, mm-hmm. the one with the the skeleton fight. Yeah, 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 and then also you know you had the Medusa head. Yeah, and things like that. But they were all done with you know like a claymation style, and you know when it came out, it was you know early eighties, I believe, and so in high school, I was in this class called Heroes, and we convinced our teacher to let us watch um, after we, you know, we had a day that we could just, you know, it was just a, we'd finished all the stuff. And yeah. We had convinced over the course of the class that um, we wanted to watch Clash of the Titans. So um, she, you know, she said, yeah, we can, yeah, we can do that. And uh, no one liked it. No one? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> because they remembered it so more, you know, so much more fondly. Yeah, that's, than than they, you know, than it actually was. That's uh, that's actually something I've kind of experienced recently. Is this uh, the the breaking of the lens of nostalgia uh-huh. over like um, uh, like uh, I I watched a. Uh, the the never ending story. Oh, okay. Like a yeah. A while ago. I remember that. Um not a little while ago. It's been a while. But um I watched it and I was like this movie kind of sucks. I don't like its story. Right? It's so bizarre. Yeah. Like if I wanted a weird movie, I just watched David Lynch. But yeah. um yeah, I did not like it. Uh and and the same can be said about a lot of different video games. Yeah. Um Oh yeah. Even with like uh and I Actually, what I've been reading, I've read a little bit into it, and the issue is with, uh, like, I remember certain video games on the PlayStation 2 looking amazing. Right. And being really blown away by their graphics, namely Shadow of the Colossus. Mm -hmm. And then I would go back with my HDTV and plug in a PS2, play Shadow of the Colossus, and it looked like dirt. It looked so bad, and I was like, how could I think this looked as well as it did? Right. And so after doing a bit of reading, it turns out the the polygons of old games are built for CRTV monitors. Right. They can't process the same on an HD television, Mm -hmm. so it just totally... De- degrades their their right. visual image which is the reason why i have my uh sega dreamcast over there hooked up to um a crt as opposed to my yeah. television is because that's the way it's meant yeah um <clears throat> there's also there in, in, there's also the question that that's an interesting thing because i think i brought this up with um with cheyenne on our, on our platform show which was that 
um, and a couple of other people remasters. Yeah. So so breaking the 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 lens of nostalgia to me, um, I really loved the game Psychonauts Two. I've heard a lot of good things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing I liked about Psychonauts Two was it felt nostalgic because a lot of the game dynamics were the same and a lot of the things that were wonderful about the first game were there to bring Mm -hmm. me back. But at the same time, it didn't try, it wasn't a remaster, right? Absolutely. It It was the same game. It felt exactly the same as I felt at the end of the game when I played the first one. Um, and I don't want to go back and play the first one because it's not designed for the current system. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's, I want to keep my fond memories of that game intact. Absolutely. Which is also the same reason I didn't buy the Mass Effect trilogy. I have, no, I have no urge to go back and play that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want the, you know, the, the memories of that to be the same as, you know, like, because it colored what I like about things. And I yeah. don't want it to, like, be, oh, yeah, well, I must have been smoking something because this is garbage. This is just not the same <clears throat> anymore. Right, right. Um, but, I mean, there's a place for nostalgia. If you can bring yourself back to that point in time and play a game and appreciate it for what it was back in that time, that's good. Yeah. But something like where you're saying the disconnect with with playing those games on a on a television, yeah, um, that's you know that's one of those technical things that you you just think that it would work, right? It just like it it translates, right? It's right. gotta, yeah. And but then, it, but it really doesn't, not at all. Um, and then sometimes also with these remasters, um, one of one of the examples I give for a well done remaster is a game that was on the PlayStation that was called Odin Sphere. Odin Sphere. Yeah. Hmm. And it was this side-scrolling action game that you played as five different characters. They each had their own story, but it was their story was in this environment. Um, it was all the same for all the, you know, the characters, but depending on their story, they would see certain scenes before others and things like Interesting. that. Interesting. And each character had their different move set and their own storyline. Um and it was like hand painted backgrounds and it looked oh, beautiful. Nice. Um, and so, um, man, I want to, I want to, I want to say the name of the the company really quick too. Got to find it. Yeah, I, I I should know it. I, I I always say Grasshopper, but it's not Grasshopper. It's uh, I'm gonna kick myself once I find out. It's gonna be like it's been in my brain this whole time. Yeah. Come on. Uh, Odin Sphere. Vanillaware. Jesus Vanilla Christ. Why can't, I, why can't I remember Vanillaware? Anyway, Vanillaware, they make a lot of these games that look like the animation is hand-painted kind of stuff in the nice. background. They had a number of those that they came out with um, on the PlayStation 2. Odin Sphere was one that came out. It was very ambitious, a lot, but there were some problems with the way you know you with the um, the DualShock controller, you had a limited number of buttons and things yeah. and triggers and bumpers and things like that. It was lesser, right? Um, and it kind of 
you would have to stop the if you wanted to switch powers and things like that of your characters there were some times where you just basically had to stop the action Yikes. and switch it mm-hmm. and then you know go from there um so the game was wonderful and it was really well you know well thought out and received pretty well mm-hmm. but it just it just didn't you know it, it kind of exceeded um exceeded the technology at the time to make it yeah. a truly good game. So many years pass, and the um, VanillaWare has made other games since. They made this really cool, you, you said you like hack and slash them games. I do. Um, they were, um, was it um, Queen's Crown? Was it Queen's Crown? Ah, uh, was that sort of, it sort of had this uh, sort of anime yeah. Sort of style. I yeah, think yeah, I played yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was called uh, Dragon's Crown. Yeah. No, Dragon's I definitely Crown. Played that. And no. it's like you had your different. You know, you could be the. Um, <laughs> you could be the ridiculous uh, magic user with a friggin' crazy ass boobs. Yep. Or you could be so the, bouncy. Yeah. And then uh, my favorite was always the was always the uh, the Amazon woman. Oh, she was badass. She was totally badass. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it was a really well done kind of. Side scroll and beat them up. Yeah. That felt very arcadey, and the animation was amazing. It looked great. Yeah, um, but okay. So they put that out, mm-hmm. um, and so in the PlayStation Four days, what ended up happening was they came out with a remaster of Odin Sphere called Odin Sphere Liefersir. Uh I'm probably mispronouncing that German, but Odin Sphere came out and. It was, they basically, it is what a remaster should be in my Ooh, book. okay. What they did was they kept the old version, right, that, mm-hmm. that has all the stuff. They just did a standard remaster. But on top of it, they built in some new things that are new game elements that they couldn't do in the previous version nice they have a couple of really cool ways and in, in the ways that you level up powers are more uh they make more sense so the remaster is actually an improvement it's not just the same old game with the same regurgitated right there was some thought into well now that we have all this thing these things available on the on the controller how can we make it better? Yeah, and they did that, and it oh. was just an amazing game. And I highly recommend it if you got a P- PlayStation Four. It's right. an older PlayStation Four game. Ah, uh, that's still o- just as good. Odin Sphere mm-hmm. Leaf Frasier, check it out. We'll do. Um, they also recently VanillaWare put out a really. <sighs> I love this game, but it's not for everyone. It's basically a tower defense game. It's called. Uh, <laughs> It's called 13 Sentinels. 13 Sentinels. Okay. Yeah. All right. Also a cool hand-painted background. Uh, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. The story is bizarre. Uh, you play as 13 different characters. That is pretty ambitious. Um, but the thing is, what? so it is pretty ambitious until you learn this fact, mm. which is a lot of the things that you do as those characters, it's mostly... Um, graphic novel esque. You have to go to certain things and do things that are very minor, puzzly sort of things that you mm-hmm. may have to do in the game. But it's mostly like a graphic novel where you control where the character goes and stuff like that. It, it, okay. It's more like that. Gotcha. Um, but the main game dynamics are tower defense, robots. You're building your robots that 
um, each one of these characters is in a certain kind of robot and you have to protect the earth from these invading things. But the story about how this happens is so amazing. Mm. It's just that the game itself is not for everyone. And I recognize that. It's not the right, I mean, if you like tower defense, maybe. It ha- I have experimented, but you know it's yeah. been a while. I yeah. uh, when it comes to stuff like that, I really gotta. I like movement. I yeah. like being able to go really fast. Right. Um, right. And uh, well, the graphics were amazing as far as what they accomplished with. Like, it looked very much like um, a vector graphics kind of pen, you know uh, presentation, mm-hmm. and it was really cool the way that they did it. But at the same time, it's it's you know it's it's not for everyone. It's, Absolutely. You know, um, but yeah, I don't know where we were going with tools. We were talking about oh graphics, graphics. Um, yeah. And you said games. So that was our last clip for the show. Actually, not the last clip. For the last one, there was something really funny that happened on our religion show with Jenna. And Phoenix. So we're going to use that to close out the show. I just wanted to thank you for joining us for our very first clip show. All the listeners out there, Nora, thank you for joining us here on the Two Vague Podcast. And have a great night. And listen, wait for it, Phoenix and Jenna. Because, like, whenever you have free time, you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to do that. <laughs> the way I just, like, my stomach just, like, had a movement. Okay. <laughs> Phoenix, I've been... I'm weak at my knees. I can't breathe. Okay, I just okay. burped and got it out of my system, dog. <laughs> okay, please cut that out. I okay. literally will... Like, I literally... Keep it in, keep it in. No, that's so... What were we talking about? <laughs> I'm gonna pee. Give me five Dog. seconds. I hate my. Why does my bowels okay. have to like? Announce only themselves. hot girls have IBS. <laughs> no, my, my my bowels literally went. I want to be on the pod. The fuck? <laughs> I feel left out. You're okay. not talking about my IBS. Okay.